This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. And the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game. I am your host, Ben Kukowski, and this week the Packers will face off against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday for the primetime 3.30 game. Literally cannot wait. I was watching football this last weekend, trying to watch college football. Really, it's just nothing like the NFL I, to me. I And I know some people really love college football, but I love watching the NFL. and I can't wait to watch the Packers in less than, it's about five days from now, so which is pretty insane. Good news out of camp on Monday from practice is that David Bakhtiari, uh, longtime all-pro left tackle, is on track to play in that game on Sunday, which will be huge for this Packers offensive line as the Vikings do have a scary duo at edge rusher with Zadari Smith, former Packer, and obviously a passionate person, wants some revenge against the Packers for cutting him. He wants to play well in that game. And uh, Viking players are saying that he is very, very jacked, and it's been a different week for him. And then Daniil Hunter, also a very, very speed, in, intense speed rusher, is healthy seems on track to be able to play in this game. And so this is going to be possibly one of the most formidable duos at edge rusher in the, in the NFL, if these two can stay healthy and it's going to make this game tough for the Packers offense, especially because, well, luckily we'll have David Bakhtiari there, but currently Elkin Jenkins does not look on track to play on Sunday, which leaves the question at the other offensive tackle spot. It's going to be interesting interesting to see how the Packers handle that position, but we'll have more updates throughout the week. Other major news from the Packers is that Alan Lazard, our new wide receiver one, seems to be injured in some fashion. It's undisclosed at this time. His play on Sunday is up, up in the air. And rookie Christian Watson, who we didn't get to see at all during the preseason, uh, started to return to practice about halfway through the preseason started to get team reps he didn't end up playing because they didn't want to risk it but he is hopeful to play on Sunday but that's his his status is still unsure as well at this time so a few pretty key possible losses in an already not too talented wide receiver core if the Vikings do have a question mark on their defense it's probably in their secondary uh, specifically at cornerback, and you want to take advantage of that. And it'll be tough to do that without Alan Lazard, possibly tough without Christian Watson, possibly. But luckily, uh, Mason Crosby was practicing on Monday. He is on track to play on Sunday after missing all of training camp, which is really, really good news. And what I want to do today is we, we don't have a game to review for the Packers. The Packers did end up being able to sign almost all of their Guys they cut that they desired to re-sign. Guys like Caleb Jones, who I was very worried they wouldn't be able to bring back. Juwan Winfrey, who many believed should earn that final starting spot at receiver. Um, even Travis Fulgham came back. Uh, and most of the players the Packers cut 
they were able to bring back. I think the only person they decided not to is Rico Gafford, but they seem to have signed a few other special teams standouts as well, a safety to kind of fill that role for the Packers. No one who's uh, lights out by any means is going to make a huge difference on this defense, but hopefully will make a huge difference on this special teams unit. And what I want to do today then, because of the there's not that much news to go off of, what I want to do is before the regular season starts, I want to put this out there. This was my offseason I wanted the Packers to have. This is going to be kind of a, a versus. Brian Gutekunst is GM versus Ben Krakowski is GM. And we're going to redo the whole Packers offseason and kind of show you how the moves that I would have made would be affecting this team right now. Um, I'm not going to go back and just be like, oh, yeah, you should have signed him because right now all the news is that he's amazing or he's, you should have drafted him because all the news right now is that he is amazing. Okay, I'm going based off of all my takes then. I'm just going to put it out there. There's some mistakes I made that were, you know, not huge mistakes, but there were mistakes. I'm going to point those out, but I'm also going to point out uh, kind of what the Packers missed out on when building a team over the last six months. So the biggest storyline around the Packers this offseason was the fact that the Packers traded away Devontae Adams and what were the Packers going to do offensively because of that. So the Packers did end up trading away Devontae Adams. I would have done the same thing. They did for a first and second round pick, which was a successful trade in a way. Um, The problem with that trade is that the Packers decided much too late and that had huge ramifications on the Packers offseason to decide that late in the process they were going to trade Devontae Adams. If they were going to trade Devontae Adams, they should have done it much earlier. And let me explain why. The Packers were forced to franchise take Devontae Adams earlier this offseason due to the inability for the Packers and Devontae Adams to, to sign a long-term deal or even understand that Devontae Adams didn't want to be in Green Bay any longer not because he doesn't like Aaron Rodgers, not because of anything like that, or he doesn't like Green Bay. It's because he wanted to go to his hometown of Las Vegas and play with Derek Carr, his best friend. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? Um, And the Packers were willing to sign him for a huge amount of money. There would have been almost nothing wrong with that, I think. He's that good. Um, But I do think it was the better decision to trade him away, not sign him to that huge contract. Um, the Packers did not have to trade him to Las Vegas. Okay. They could have traded him to somewhere else and maybe even gotten more in a deal. I'm not going to assume that the Packers knew that there was other deals out there though, because, uh, I don't think that's an assumption I can make at this point, uh, looking back in the past, but had the Packers traded, um, away Devonte Adams much earlier, there is some salary cap space ramifications okay the Packers ended up trading Devontae Adams on March 18th but they had to have their salary cap space below a certain threshold by March 14th I had originally thought the NFL would value veterans the Packers cut like Zedary Smith and Billy Turner but I was proven wrong because um they these two players ended up signing deals that cost the new teams less than the deals that they would have been on in a trade. Okay. So for example, I had thought the NFL would value Zedary Smith 
as a as kind of a steal at just 15 million a year because with the trade the new team would be paying him about 15 million um and i thought the same thing for billy turner because i thought hey a team would pay 4.2 million dollars in a trade to have a veteran versatile player like billy turner um, but that was not the case. Uh, Zadari Smith ended up signing for about $14 million a year, so about $1 million saving without having to use, uh, using a draft pick. And then Billy Turner ended up signing for just about $2.5 million a year, almost $2 million less than what he would have been traded on. So I was wrong in saying that the Packers could have traded these guys away. Gudikins probably did his research. He probably realized a trade wasn't going to happen, and he just had to cut those guys. So those were moves that would have been the exact same knowing the market, knowing being able to talk to other GMs and see how the league would have valued these two guys. Um, but there's one move that the Packers may have been able to wait on for, and that was the Preston Smith contract. Preston Smith, I have been trusting since he signed his new contract, will have another good season Good season after having the best season of his career last year. But I haven't spoken on this in a long time, but we should we truly be expecting Preston Smith to play like he did last year. Preston has had one season with a PFF grade in the 80s. That was last season. But before that, most of his career was in the 60s. He's a really long edge rusher, but he lacks juice, and he struggled with consistency in maintaining his weight and his overall physique. Yet, there are teams this offseason who signed way worse, way more inconsistent players in free agency that would have loved to take a chance on Preston Smith for a reasonable cost. And I think that's obvious based off the players they were forced to sign at the salary they were forced to sign them to fill their roster. Okay, there are two teams I noticed as I looked through what they did in the free in free agency. The Denver Broncos and Seattle Seahawks were two of these teams. The Broncos went out and signed Randy Gregory, a guy who has never played 500 snaps in a season due to injuries, due to suspensions, is a guy who's unreliable um, to a contract very similar to Preston Smith's new contract. Okay, yet. I do believe there's plenty of reason to believe Preston Smith would have been a lot more reliable option than a guy like Randy Gregory, okay? And they were about the exact same age. So I think the Broncos would have traded for Preston Smith. But I think an even better option would have been the Seahawks because the Seahawks signed a guy named Uchenna Nuoso, a younger player. He's just finished his rookie contract with the LA Chargers. Um, last year, he was a starter. Starter. He played about 700 snaps for them. But... Nuoso is a very average player, okay? Um, Has not played nearly at a level worthy of averaging $10 million a year, which is the contract he ended up signing. And Preston Smith is a much more proven, desirable player, that's for sure, at a very similar cost. I think the Packers could have traded with a team like the Seahawks who wanted to upgrade their pass rush for the short term. Um, And the Seahawks had the extra draft capital with the Russell Wilson trade. And they... Would have I totally think they would have given up a fourth round pick for Preston Smith, and the Packers could have received pick 109 from the Seahawks while still saving 14 million dollars plus six million more, which is six million more than they did in his new contract restructuring. Um, and the Packers would not have been stuck with Preston Smith if his play goes downhill, which I expect it to. Um, I want Preston Smith to do good again this year. I need him to do good again this year. We don't have depth at edge rusher, but in this scenario, 
I'm not, I'm thinking about what I do think and what I thought would happen. And that what I still do think is going to happen is his play is going to go down the hill this year, which is concerning. And I wanted to get out from under that, sell him when he's at his highest, at his peak. And that was last season. And the term I would like to describe kind of the off season for Brian Gutekunst and things that kind of frustrated me was the lack of urgency from our front office. The indecisiveness that happened led to the Packers missing out on a lot of moves like the one I just mentioned above. So while I wish the Packers could have gotten more for Devontae Adams, it it was probably close to accurate of what teams were offering as Tyreek Hill got a very similar deal, but a little more added with some day three picks as well. Um, the issue was the lack of urgency. It didn't allow the Packers to be ready for the early stages of free agency to make a move at a true number one wide receiver. Had the Packers traded away Preston Smith early on in the process, traded away Devontae Adams early on in the process, still cut Sidarius Smith, still cut Billy Turner, they would have had an insane amount of money. They would not have known what to do with, or at least they would have had options uh, when free agency started to have conversations with people. And the new top average salary per year at wide receiver became $30 million with the Tyreek Hill deal, which is an insane number, okay? And the Rams and the Packers should have known what that number was going to be because of the contract negotiations they were having with Devontae Adams, okay? What Devontae Adams was commanding, and Devontae Adams can command what he wanted to command. He's the best receiver in the NFL. And Tyreek Hill got more than he did. Um, And as free agency opened, they would have had a ton of money to play with without Devontae Adams to go out and identify the best value deal out there. And that deal ended up being Allen Robinson signing for just $15 million a year on a three-year contract. That's literally half the number for Allen Robinson, who is a proven number one wide receiver. Yes, he's not a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL anymore, probably, but he's a top 20. He's right there. Um, and last season um, was not an accurate portrayal of who he is as a receiver. Allen Robinson last year was playing on the franchise tag for one of the worst franchises in the NFL, one of the worst offenses in the NFL, and he didn't look good because of that. Um He's much, much better than that. And I believed that before training camp notes came out, but all offseason, the Rams have been ecstatic about what Allen Robinson brings to their offense for just $15, $15 million a year. And because Allen Robinson, they see him as a versatile piece who, can, piece who can play the slot, who can play on the outside. This, And honestly, a... a, a how do I say it? He's not Devontae Adams, not nearly Devontae Adams at all, but he could play the same role that Devontae Adams did. It's just the Packers probably would not have forced fed him the ball when he was being double teamed like they still would to Devontae Adams. Okay. Um, this would have given the Packers a lot more reliability at wide at the wide receiver position going into the season, which some would say is rather important. I like the receivers we have right now. Um, we ended up getting in a really good spot. But if I was redoing the offseason, I didn't know how the draft was going to go at this point. I needed some reliability, and this was a great deal out there on the market that the Packers could have taken advantage of. Now, there was one final player the Packers did not need on their current roster, 
and yet they stuck to him out of pride, I think. Um, they trade away Devontae Adams. The money doesn't make sense realistically, and he doesn't want to be here. They trade away Preston Smith because his play is probably going to go downhill. He's about to turn 30 years old, and press, uh, edge rushers play for a long time, but there's nothing to say in his history that is projecting him to continue to rise at this point in his career. And we cut Zadari Smith, cut Billy Turner. Great moves. Those are the right moves to make. But they should have traded one more player and they stuck to him out of prior uh, excitement, prior desire to see this player do really, really good. But everything has shown us that he hasn't. And that player was QB Jordan Love. After two seasons in the NFL, all accounts have shown that Jordan Love was developing, continuing to develop, which is good, but truly is not there and may never be. But he still is a very talented player with a huge arm, is not even 24 years old, still with two years left on his rookie contract. And there was a crazy amount of QB moves this offseason. One of those moves did not make any sense at all. And that was the Washington Commanders trading away for Carson Wentz. Wentz is owed $28.2 million this year on a one-year deal. They only get him for one year on that $28.2 million contract. He's coming off the worst two seasons of his career, and nothing shows that he is capable of much more than just average QB play. The thing that interested the Commanders in Carson Wentz is that he's not Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke last season could barely chuck a pass more than 30 yards downfield. And the great part about Carson Wentz is he has a huge arm. Okay. Now, the Commanders are a team. Had Jordan Love been available by trade, they probably would have much rather traded for Jordan Love than Carson Wentz because the Commanders had to give up a second and a third round pick to take on a huge sum of money the Colts had no desire to have that $28.2 million and Carson Wentz on their roster. They wanted somebody new. Okay. That doesn't make any sense at all. The commanders were so desperate at the QB position, they were able to take on a contract that the other team didn't want it at all and still give up two day two picks in the upcoming draft. That's a lot of money to pay. And instead, they could have easily traded for Jordan Love, tried out a young QB with a huge arm for, for a tiny price of around $3 million, which is insane. The Packers... May have even able may have even been able to get a second round pick from Washington because of how desperate they seemed at quarterback, but I'm not going to assume that. I think, but I'm going to say the Packers got the Commanders' third round pick instead, which was pick 73 in the NFL draft, which still would have been a huge bonus for the Packers going into the NFL draft. And there's plenty of other moves the Packers made, which I agree with. I think they did a really really good job on handling their roster um, overall, and they made some really good signings. Um, they re-signed Devondre Campbell to an average contract at about $10 million a year, while other linebackers are getting paid $20 million a year, the top linebackers, and he just had a top linebacker season, so that was a huge deal. They picked up Jerron Reed on the interior defensive line. They kept Dean Lowry, understanding the lack of interior defensive linemen out there on the marketplace. They re-signed Rasul Douglas. They gave Alan Lazard and Yash Nijman re- uh, restricted free agent tenders. They signed a veteran receiver like Sammy Watkins. All of those were great, fantastic moves for this football team. One move I think it's safe to say I was wrong about was I wanted the Packers to sign OJ Howard on a one-year $3 million contract. And instead, the Packers decided to re-sign Robert Tunyon to a one-year $5 million contract, which 
Now, we haven't seen Robert Tunyon play yet, but O.J. Howard did not even make the final 53-man roster right now uh, at tight end for the Bills. They cut him during cutdowns. Um, the Packers probably would have been forced to play with O.J. Howard if he, even if he isn't quite there as a player, but he does have athleticism that truly sticks out. I think he's more athletic than Robert Tunyon at tight end is even. Um, but the thing is, I didn't just sign OJ Howard. I also would have signed tight end Max Williams for about $1.5 million. So I had two tight ends for the price of one. Max Williams is a great all around tight end. He's also recovering from knee surgery, has played at a high level when called upon. I really like Max Williams, and I like dividing my money into multiple bets and hoping one of those two players can match up perfectly in our offense, and one of those two bets pays off. So I would not have had Robert Tunyon. I would have chosen O.J. Howard, which probably right now doesn't look like the right decision, but I would have divided my bets and also had Max Williams at tight end. There was a slew of other moves I would have loved for the Packers to make, and some of those the Packers already did, like extending Jair Alexander to a new contract, but also I would have extended Rashawn Gary, Elton Jenkins' new contracts as well. When you extend this new contract, you could open up cap space to have more money in your now current Super Bowl window, and the earlier the Packers had done that, the better. Um, Not only because you can create cap space now, but also because... These players um, are going to get paid more and more money the longer you wait. You want to get those deals done now for guys you believe in. And I believe in Rashawn Gary. I believe in Jair Alexander. I believe in Elton Jenkins. Um, These guys should be centerpieces for our team for a very long time. And the longer you wait, the more expensive they get. There is a chance they fall off somehow. But you've seen them play. We have a history of seeing them play. That, and I believe they are not going to fall off whatsoever. There are some other free agent moves I would have loved to make. Signing a guy like offensive tackle Dennis Kelly to a $1.2 million deal, a really good, reliable backup offensive tackle. You never know what is going to happen and if you, and if you are going to be able to draft guys who can play offensive tackle. Um, and this was before the draft. We didn't have that much depth at offensive tackle. This would have been a great move to have. Adding depth in our secondary as well by signing slot cornerback Bryce Callahan would have been a great signing. He signed a tiny contract, about $1 million, as uh, with the LA Chargers this offseason, but has played at a very high level three of the last four seasons in coverage, even signing safety Anthony Harris to a one-year $2.5 million contract as he is, has he has a lot of snaps as a starter, played at an average level for, for the last two seasons, but prior to that played at an elite level for two years. This kind of depth is hard to find, and the Packers just did for almost nothing. These are these are very cheap contracts. Finally, the last major hole I would have filled would be our hole at Ed Rusher. The only problem with trading away Preston Smith would be the fact that the Packers would have been forced to replace him. This, though, truly would not have been an issue. The Packers could have signed veteran Mel- Melvin Ingram to a one-year $4 million contract who easily could be your starter. He played at a very high level last year, 79.7 overall PFF grade, almost identical to Preston Smith's at a fraction of the cost, while also signing veteran edge rusher Trey Flowers at just $2.1 million as even more depth before the regular season like the Dolphins just did. Dolphins made great move by signing Melvin Ingram and Trey Flowers. I would have signed those deals to play on a, a team that probably is more likely to win a Super Bowl this year. I, I think that's a guarantee. So with all these moves, 
going into the NFL draft, the Packers would have had depth at almost every single position, even before the draft. They have a wide receiver one in Allen Robinson, starters at every spot on the offensive line, even without a healthy Bakhtiari or Elgin Jenkins, an athletic tight end to pair with Rodgers and Howard and Max Williams, depth on the interior defensive line uh, with Jerron Reed, two edge rushers, and Trey, uh, Trey Flowers and Melvin Ingram to make up for the loss of Preston Smith, still have Devondre Campbell, uh, even more depth at cornerback by bringing back Russell Douglas with Bryce Callahan and a third safety in Anthony Harris. Uh, honestly, at this point, the Packers could have a functional team moving forward without the NFL draft, but they still would have had the NFL draft. Now, in the NFL draft, we went over this in depth around draft time, and I'm going to stick to my draft takes at that time, not what I think now after summer of news. That wouldn't be fair whatsoever, and I, I can't just pick Romeo Dobbs in the fourth round because I wasn't a fan of Dobbs going into the draft, even though looking back, based off the stats, I should have been. I totally should have been. I, I missed him, okay? So the Packers, with the Devontae Adams trade, and getting a third-round pick for Preston Smith, or for Jordan Love, and a fourth-round pick for Preston Smith, the Packers would have had a lot of draft capital to work with. Even as you look at a few trades in the draft, like the Lions not having to trade that much to go from pick 32 all the way to pick 15, the Patriots trading back from pick 21 to pick 29, gaining a ton of draft capital, these are the moves the Packers also could have done, but chose not to, and should have been been making in order to get the best outcomes possible. Had the Packers done these trades and the trades similar to these around the draft, the Packers would have been able to select 13 players, a few of which were my favorite players in the whole draft at their respective positions value-wise. At receiver, the Packers would have been able to select Jameson Williams at pick 15, the fastest qualified receiver, not just a fast receiver like John Ross, but a fastest qualified actual receiver to probably ever come into the NFL since Deshaun Jackson, our true deep threat, number one type of receiver, perfect complement to Allen Robinson, um, and he would be ready halfway through the season. At pick 53, Sky Moore, the best receiver in college football last year, has insane route running ability, really good ability to create separation. He has not had the strongest camp yet, but has had his highlights. I still think will be the next Julian Edelman type of player. And finally, at pick 258, receiver Samaritore, who you all know, he was an insane athlete coming out with high production after he transferred to Nebraska. At receiver, while I don't get the early returns from Jameson Williams, he should be ready midway through the season and will be electric at that point. Even Christian Watson isn't healthy at this point. And then, yeah, I would have missed out on Romeo Dobbs, but I did get Sky Moore, who I really like as well and has a chance to develop into something special. On the offensive line, I had the Packers drafting Bernard Raymond at pick 73 from the Jordan Love trade, my favorite offensive tackle based on value. He had an undisclosed injury that came up in medical concerns about his knee, but really good value all the way back here in the third round, even though he's not going to start for the Colts right away this season. Zach Tom at pick 121. I would have drafted him earlier. I liked him that much than the Packers did. The Packers drafted him at 140. I would have drafted him at pick 121. Obviously, as Packers fans, you know he was the best pass-protecting offensive lineman during the preseason, not giving up even a pressure at left tackle, right tackle, and right guard. Um, Darren Kennard at pick 140. He was a mauler as a run blocker, still needed time to develop as a pass blocker in the NFL. I think he could transition to guard. He hasn't done so yet for the Chiefs. Um, but I liked him as a prospect and Rashid Walker at pick 249. 
high-level recruit, a top 100 player, dropped due to a knee injury that was on medicals, but made it all the way to the Packers' final 53-man roster. So instead of drafting Sean Ryan, who has looked unplayable, I drafted Darian Kennard, who has at least been okay, and still got another offensive tackle to develop in Raymond. On the defensive line, I drafted nose tackle Travis Jones instead of Devontae. Uh, defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt. This preseason, Devontae Wyatt looked lost out there and played just terribly, while Travis Jones looked like he could hold his ground out there, even at nose tackle, and take on double teams and even showed some juice as a pass rusher. Not to mention, I drafted Travis Jones a whole two rounds later at pick 75, and Jones is almost two years younger than Devontae Wyatt is. At edge rusher, I had the Packers still drafting Kingsley and Nagbury at pick 171, but also instead of drafting Quay Walker in the first round, I had them drafting George Karloftis at pick 29. Linebacker, inside linebacker, is such a hard position to have returns on rookie contracts. Not many have played at a high level when, when transitioning into the NFL, and most don't really turn it on until their second NFL contracts. The linebacker position is so hard to play and not that meaningful of a position when it comes to overall positional value. While edge rusher is a much more valuable position, Carl Loftus is a power edge rusher who's going to be solid, I think, for a very long time. A great compliment to Rashawn Gary. And I think it's great to have four edge rushers you can truly rely on. And having Gary, Carl Loftus, Ingram, and Flowers, you could easily have the best four edge rusher combo in the NFL this upcoming season. And another big reason I didn't draft Quay Walker in the first round was, was because at pick 94, I could draft Leo Chanel. Chanel is a little undersized, doesn't have the arm length like Quay Walker or the speed, but overall is an impactful player that I thought would be fine next to Devondre Campbell. Not amazing in pass to coverage, yes, but in two linebacker sets in obvious run stuffing situations, uh, he would be a fantastic run stopper and great as a blitzer on passing downs. Finally, I drafted two safeties, one at pick 92, Nick Cross, who was a bigger safety with a lot of juice at 215 pounds, has looked insanely explosive for the Colts and is going to start for them this season. And I still drafted Tariq Carpenter as well, same as the Packers. I truly think the team I could have built would have been significantly better than the one Gudikins built. My team probably would have messed up at tight end, choosing OJ Howard over Robert Tunyon, but still would have had Max Williams as a possible chance, Uh, would have missed out on receiver Romeo Dobbs. Um, I didn't get to pick the prototypical linebacker next to Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker, who is huge and fast. Um, so there are some, some things that were important to the Packers that make sense having, uh, there were some kind of mistakes I probably would have made in this process. Okay. Um, but here would have been my 50, final 53 man roster QB Aaron Rodgers. Backup QB Carson Strong. I really liked him as undrafted free agent. He went on a practice squad now, but I think he would have been a fine backup. Your backup doesn't have to be amazing. Running backs, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, wide receiver. Now, I'm going to keep eight guys here, but I actually don't need to count Jameson Williams as a player because he would have been on the NFI list, non-football injury list, which doesn't count as an active player on your roster. So Jameson Williams, Allen Robinson, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Amari Rogers, Sky Moore, and Samori Torre. Tight end, OJ Howard, Max Williams, Mercedes Lewis, and Josiah DeGuara. Um, left tackle would have been David Akhtiari, Yash Nijman, and Bernard Ryman. Left guard would have been John Ronnie Jr., Dan Kennard. Uh, center would have been Josh Myers, Jake Hansen. Right guard would have been Zach Tom, Royce Newman. With so many players playing off of the tackle, Zach Tom would not need to have cross-trained so much, and he could have just won the right guard job. Right tackle would have been Elton Jenkins, Dennis Kelly, Rashid Walker. 
Now, that is 12 offensive linemen I just listed. That's obviously way too many to make a final 53-man roster. I had a lot of offensive linemen I really like. At this point, I would have realized that that I got too many. I would rather have too many offensive linemen, though, than not enough, as you need guys you can actually trust to rely on, which most NFL teams don't when an injury occurs. Here, I would have looked towards the NFL and seen where teams are valuing each player and trading two of or three of these guys away. Okay, maybe a team out there would give up a fifth round pick for Dennis Kelly or Royce Newman. Maybe a team would give up a third round pick for Yash Nijman because. Right now, David Bakhtiari is ready to start week one. How much do you need Josh Neisman? And if you can get a third-round pick for Josh Neisman, who the Cowboys, um, a few other teams might have given up, um, you had Bernard Raymond developing as a replacement-level left tackle. Um, I think you could have done two of these moves, uh, two of these trades, and still been able to keep Rasheed Walker as your 10th offensive lineman if you really wanted to. But if you only could do one, you could have cut Rasheed Walker and hopefully got him on your practice squad. This in total would give the Packers a total of 25 offensive players. The offensive line would look very similar to what it does now, um, but even, I think, better prospects. Um, Receiver group would have just had a true wide receiver one with Allen Robinson and Jameson Williams to get excited about midseason and some options at tight end in case of injury and just see who fits best in this offense. On defense, at edge rusher would have been Rashawn Gary, Melvin Ingram, George Karloftis, Trey Flowers, and Kingsley and Nagbury. Interior defensive line would have been Kenny Clark, Jaron Reed, Dean Lowry, TJ Slayton, Travis Jones, and Jack Heflin. Linebacker would have been Devondre Campbell, Leo Chanel, Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie. Cornerback would have been Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Russell Douglas, Bryce Callahan, and Keyshawn Nixon. Safety would have been Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Anthony Harris, Nick Cross, Tariq Carpenter for a total of 25 defensive players. I think what makes my team building effort much better than the Packers is here on defense. Okay. I have so much more depth at edge rusher. We saw in the playoffs against the 49ers, how insane our pass rush was when we rotated between four different edge rushers who are all solid to great players. Uh, It was Whitney Merciless. It was Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith. They were fresh, always creating a pass rush, fresh legs all the time. And they're, the Packers have four edge rushers. You would be happy to be your starter. Interior defensive line is about the same. I just replaced Devontae Wyatt with Travis Jones. Linebacker, very similar. Just replaced Quay Walker with uh, Leo Chanel. But here at some of the most valuable positions, positional versatility, okay, positional value is right now. It's QB and then it's receiver, safety, corner, edge rusher, okay? And I just added players at the most important positions, especially in our secondary. We have Bryce Callahan as a fourth string cornerback. This is a guy who has played at a very high level as a starter, as both a slot and outside cornerback, giving us serious versatility if an injury does occur. The Packers then also have two backup safeties who could be trusted and relied upon to be starters if we needed them to be as well in Nick Cross, rookie, uh, third round pick, uh, and uh, the other one is Anthony Harris, who's been a longtime starter at safety the last four seasons. The depth the Packers now have will make this defense not just be the best defense for the first few games, uh, but after injuries happen, it might go downhill. But this defense, the depth that I've given them, will allow them to be the best defense in the NFL, and they can handle adversity as injuries begin to pile up, as they do every year. But they have the depth to be the best defense now and at the end of the season. The three special teamers I'd keep is Mason Crosby, uh, Jack Coco is a long snapper, I guess. It doesn't really matter to me. And Ryan Stonehouse would be the punter, okay? 
He was an undrafted free agent, was an option to sign. He made the final 53-man roster for the Titans. They even cut their veteran punter to do so. Stonehouse broke NCAA records last year at Colorado State as a punter, has a chance to truly be an impactful player, which is so important on your special teams. We don't have much impactful players, but Ryan Stonehouse could be one of them. I think easily would have been an upgrade over what the Packers did and save money in the meantime by keeping and signing Ryan Stonehouse over signing Pat O'Donnell. So in conclusion, this team, the Packers built, really is pretty similar. It's just a matter of moving on from assets sooner rather than later. The Packers should have traded Devontae Adams, Jordan Love, Preston Smith, all before free agency free agency had even started. The Packers should have had contracts already figured out for players like Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, Elkin Jenkins, giving them all new deals and extensions. The Packers still not ha- have not done that for Gary or Jenkins, and these two guys are just getting more expensive by the minute, which is not is not saving them any money in the long run. Had the Packers made these moves before free agency, they would have had even more money to spend and still had more salary cap space than they do now. They could have attacked free agency to find a great option as a receiver one in Allen Robinson, then add depth all over this roster with wide receiver Sammy Watkins, offensive tackle Dennis Kelly. Uh, defensive tackle Jaron Reed, edge rushers Trey Flowers and Melvin Ingram, tight ends OJ Howard, Max Williams, cornerback Rice Callahan, safety Anthony Harris. And it feels like all these players were one-year veteran rentals. How does that help this team long-term? It doesn't, but it gives the Packers a chance to win a Super Bowl this season for very, very cheap. And because the Packers moved on from three major players, they also had way more draft capital to add even more youth to this roster. So next offseason, when Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard possibly would not be on this team anymore, I had Allen Robinson, Jameson Williams, Sky Moore, Amari Rogers to replace them. On the offensive line, the Packers would have had more than enough options to gather a top five offensive line in the NFL in case of any injury and probably could trade another asset away for a solid draft pick next season. On the defensive line, we may lose Jaron Reed, but Travis Jones is ready to be the full-time starter at nose tackle. The Packers have one-year rentals in Melvin Ingram and Trey Flowers to make up for the loss of Preston Smith, but we also have George Karloftis in year two ready to step into a full-time role. At linebacker, we'll have a year two player in Leo Chanel. At safety, we'll have Nick Cross in year two if Adrian Amos doesn't re-sign at the Packers. Do you see how I have planned for the future while making this team better right now? The team Brian Gutekinds built was good. It really was. It's a very talented team. They should still have a chance to win the Super Bowl, but... The team I built is better because it has better depth all over this roster. It's ready to handle adversity adversity and injuries, which you can go back over the last three seasons and obviously identify why the Packers could not get to a Super Bowl. It was the fact that the Packers lost major players and had nobody significant to replace them with. My roster overall is more talented than the current Packers roster. It's actually cheaper and it's younger. My team I would have built is better off to win a Super Bowl this season It's more likely to win one next season as this team reloads in a tough place financially with so many young and up and coming players uh, ready to step into full-time roles like I just explained earlier. And it's more likely to win a Super Bowl five years from now as well because of this huge influx of quality young talent onto this roster. Not just rookies, but seven top 100 player draft picks, okay, which is and then still six more players on top of that. So 13 rookies. This year in the NFL draft, Gudikins was able to draft four players in the top 100, while I was able to draft seven. So going, so 
the reality is the team I built was much, much better. I would have loved to see the team I had out there actually playing. I have all this written down. We can track this. We can see at the end of the season how my players would have ended up compared to Brian Gudigan's team. And this is just a fun exercise to help you understand there are moves to be made. There are more efficient, productive, valuable moves to be made. Um, and we'll see how the Packers do. And we'll give you more updates this week on the Vikings game coming up on Sunday. This is just a fun exercise for us. But that is all we have today, folks. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks, guys.